We're going to start with verse 1. It's been in one of our text scriptures for this series on heaven. John 14, verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. That's a good word for all of time, but especially right now. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not let your heart be agitated. Do not let your heart be disturbed. Do not lose your equanimity. Do not lose your inner calmness in peace. This is not a suggestion from Jesus. This is a command from your Lord. Which means if he commands you to do it, you have the ability to do it. Say, if he commands me to do it, I have the ability to do it. He continues, said, you believe in God, believe also in me, and my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Say, Jesus is preparing a place for me. Then Jesus continues, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Another text scriptures from the series we've used is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. It says, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Say, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Go ahead, put that in the chat. Let's say it again. Say, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So when you leave this body or Peter called it your tabernacle or your earthly tent, you ain't staying around to haunt somebody. You, big mama ain't in your house. She been gone 30 years. She ain't staying there to comfort you. Oh, I think I saw it. That ain't big mama. That's something else that you need to cast out. See, too often we begin to adopt other belief systems and other thinkings that lead well-meaning believers into the areas of witchcraft and necromancy. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So if you have a loved one that went to be with Jesus, they ain't in your house, nor what they want to be. They're with Jesus, and they're enjoying it. They're having the time of their life because they are in eternal life. Now, when it says present, it doesn't just mean here. You know, anybody remember in school taking attendance, they call your name like present? That's not what that word means. It means to be at home. It means to be in one's own home country with one's own people. So to be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord, in your own home country with the Lord, with your own people with the Lord. So this lets you know that heaven belongs to you. Why does heaven belong to you? Because God shared it with you. Heaven belongs to you as much as it belongs to God. So say, heaven belongs to me. Now I'm going to read you Philippians 3.20, another verse we covered. We'll read it to you from the New Living Translation. It says, but we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. Say, I am a citizen of heaven. Go ahead, put that in the chat. Let's say it again. Say, I am a citizen of heaven. Citizens have rights, right? I have certain rights because I was born in this nation. 
My rights don't start or end as long as I'm in the territory of the United States of America. I can go to another country or continent and still have my rights. Why? I'm a citizen. Although you are not in heaven right now and you live on earth, you still have rights as a citizen of heaven. And Satan will love for you to forget about your rights and make you think everything heaven has for you is in the sweet by and by and in the future. And then you wait for stuff and then you get to heaven and you walk by a room and God shows you this. It's like, oh, wow, God, is this for me in heaven? It's like, no, that's what I have for you on earth. But you would never receive it. You must stand for your rights as a citizen of heaven. See, that's why the Bible tells us my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Many believers are destroyed, undone, cut off because they don't have the knowledge. That's one of the reasons we offer FBI, so that you can get some knowledge. See, encouragement is good, preaching is good, but you need some knowledge. Because you can be encouraged all day long and wake up on Monday, don't know what you're going to do. But I felt something yesterday. But do you know something? Because if you don't know something and put it into practice, that encouragement was good, but it won't give you the victory. See, with encouragement, you'll shout all day long in church and be defeated Monday through Saturday. But you get to shout back on on Sunday. And then your victory becomes sporadic. And instead of learning how to have consistent and continual victory, you'll go back to when you felt something or had an emotional high or had a goosebump. So, oh man, I remember I was at the altar and I was crying right here at that spot and God spoke to me. So if I get back to that spot and I cry a little bit, I can get a goosebump and hear from God. Lack of knowledge. See, what moved your situation wasn't the tears or the goosebump or necessarily that spot. It was the faith you released in that moment. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you're going to operate in your rights as a citizen of heaven, you got to get in this book. You have to know who you are in Christ. And you must stand for what God has given you. Because the enemy will always challenge your rights. You make a declaration, say, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. Do you know what he's going to do? Challenge your rights. If he says, no, I have authority in Christ, you know what he's going to do? Challenge your rights. He says, I have peace. You know what he's going to do? He's going to challenge your rights. So you have to make a stand for this, even if the enemy challenges you. Don't think, well, I'm saved, so I'm just going to go skipping through the flowers of Jesus for the rest of my life. No, there are some challenges. There are some attacks. There are things Satan throws your way. That's why Jesus called you an overcomer. That's why Jesus called you more than a conqueror. That's why we talked about a few weeks ago how heaven is the home for heroes. It is a home for champions. It is those who have overcome. It is those who've walked in victory. And when he gets to heaven, it's a celebration of the victory. But you must walk in that victory on earth. See, the armor of the believer isn't for heaven. Some people say, oh, I'll get that full armor when I get to heaven. Why do you need armor up there, walking with their gospel shoes on, scratching up the streets of gold? You don't need the armor up there. You need it here. Let's go to Acts chapter 10. Let's get into where we're going.
as citizens of heaven, it says earlier in Philippians, we should live with that lifestyle, that thinking in mind, live worthy of that, with that in mind. And in this series, we've talked about different parts of heaven. We talk about the heavenly country. We talk about what heavenly paradise is and what that garden is. We talk about the heavenly city, New Jerusalem. And we began to talk about heavenly things when it concerns the tabernacle and the temple. We looked at how the scripture tells us that the tabernacle that Moses built in the wilderness and the temple that David built was based on the patterns of things that were in heaven. So what was on earth was just a shadow or a recreation of what existed in heaven. And so we went over some of those things. And last week we talked about the mercy seat. Thank God for mercy. And how when Jesus ascended, when before, he, after he raised from the dead, he talked to Mary and said, I have to go. I have to ascend to my father. And what did he do when he ascended? He presented his blood on the mercy seat. So when God sees you, he sees you through the blood because that atonement has been offered. Jesus took your place. And so there are other heavenly things. And let's look at Acts chapter 10, verse 1. Now, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. Now, Cornelius is a Roman soldier who has at least 100 soldiers under him. The band he led is the Italian band, so it makes sense that the majority of them are Italians. Notice what it says about this soldier. A devout man. The word devout means godly, just, noble, generous, conscientiously and obediently fulfilling one's duty to God. This is who Cornelius was. And it says, one that feared God or reverenced God with all his house. So it wasn't just him. Everybody who lived in his house reverenced God. Now, I want you to notice something here because Cornelius is not a Jew. Most of the church right now are Jews or a Jewish proselyte, including the Ethiopian. Most of the church are Jews. They're not any Gentiles that have been part of the church yet. They're Jews and Jewish proselytes. And Cornelius is a Jewish believer. He believes according to the word. He's a Jewish proselyte, excuse me. He's Italian, but he believes in the one true God. He changed somewhere along the line from worshiping the Greco-Roman gods or Caesar worship and found out the one true God and was walking in reverence toward him with all his house. Notice what he also did. It says he gave much alms to the people. Alms are mercy. Compassion exhibited through benefaction. It is a donation to the poor. And then it said he prayed to God how often? Always. Whoa. This brother is busy though. He's got a hundred soldiers that report to him on a regular basis. He has to give reports back to Rome. He's in a position of authority. This dude is busy, yet he found through his business ways to pray throughout the day. The story we're about to read is him taking time at 3 p.m. to pray. Some of us are trying not to take a nap at 3 p.m., but he found time to pray at 3 p.m. When you read a little bit more in Acts chapter 10, we see he was fasting during this time. Now, something also I want you to notice about this man. 
this man does not know what Jesus has provided yet. Although Jesus had died, although he has raised from the dead, although he has put his blood on the mercy seat, although he was with believers for 40 days and 40 nights and ascended on the right hand of God and sent forth the Holy Spirit to live within and rest upon each believer, Cornelius doesn't know about this yet. All he knows is an old covenant and an old system. But with what he knew, he was faithful. Say faithful. He knew to pray, and he knew to give. And he knew to reverence God. And that's what he did faithfully. Say faithful. Go ahead, put that in the chat. Say once again, say faithful. And he saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of day, 3 p.m., an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid. Now, you got to think, Cornelius is a bad boy. He is a Roman soldier with a hundred soldiers at least reporting to him. But when this angel walks in the room, he's like, whoa, whoa. This speaks about the power and the presence of angels. Angels are huge beings, not some naked little baby sitting on harps tossing grapes. There are many different classes of angels. These are huge beings. We'll cover who they are later in the series because they're sent to be ministers unto the heirs of salvation. If you're a believer, you're an heir of salvation. And each and every one of you has at least, said again, at least one angel sent to minister to you. At least one. At least. Say at least. And so this angel comes in. And Cornelius says, what is it, Lord? And he said unto him, your prayers and your alms are come up for a memorial before God. This word memorial means remembrance. Say remembrance. This word is a remembrance where God has taken heed and is about to send help. God has taken heed and is about to send help. You see, Cornelius actually did not know what he needed. He didn't. Why? He didn't know what Jesus offered. He didn't know he needed salvation. He probably didn't even know what salvation was. But because of his faithfulness, it set him up to receive something he didn't even know he needed. And the angel says, your prayers and your giving has risen up before God as a memorial, as a remembrance that's causing help to be sent your way. And now the angel gives direction. He says, I need you to go to the, send people to this city to look in this house for a man named Simon. We call him Peter. Tell him to come, and he'll tell you what you need to do. Let's skip down to verse 30. So Peter arrives after he had an encounter with the Spirit of God. In verse 30, it says, And Cornelius said, talking to Peter, Four days ago I was fasting unto this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, and said, Cornelius, your prayers are heard, and your alms are held in remembrance in the sight of God. This word remembrance, as Cornelius is retelling the story, it means to bear in mind for the purpose of rewarding to call to mind or to bear in mind for the purpose of rewarding. So the angel shows up to Cornelius and says, hey, your prayers and your giving have risen before God, and there are rewards for you coming your way, and there's help coming your way. You see, that first word for memorial, 
the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, uses this word to describe the part of a sacrifice, which was burned on the altar together with the frankincense, that its fragrance might ascend to heaven and commend the offerer to God's remembrance. So Cornelius' prayers and his giving rose up to God. Say Cornelius's prayers and his giving rose up to God. You see, as we've shared previously from the book of Hebrews, the tabernacle and temple in the earth were a shadow of things in heaven. And the tabernacle and temple, there was an altar of incense in the holy place where the priests would daily, say daily, offer incense. There was also an altar of incense within the holy of holies where the high priest would offer incense once a year. And so in the holy place is an altar of incense, and every day the priest will come in and offer incense upon that altar. And then in the holy of holies, as we talked about last week, the high priest will come in once a year on the day of atonement and offer incense within the holy of holies. You have to understand prayer is figuratively presented in the scriptures as incense. Prayer in the scriptures is represented by incense. And so it's talking about here that Cornelius' prayers and his giving rose up like incense before God. Just like the priest would offer sacrifices in the tabernacle in the temple, and the smell would rise up in the air, the smoke would rise up in the air. It's saying, Cornelius, your prayers and your giving have risen up before God, just like the priests in the temple who offer sacrifices. See, David says it this way in Psalm 141, verse 2, Let my prayer be set forth before you as incense, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. Just like Cornelius, your prayers and your giving rise up before God like incense. And this memorial before God, set Cornelius up to receive help and rewards he didn't even know he needed, nor that he knew was available. First Peter chapter 2, verse 5. See, some of the things you need, you don't even know that you need. Some of the things you need for tomorrow, you don't even know what it's going to present. But if you're faithful, I said, if you're faithful, and offering up these sacrifices before God, heaven will always send a response. See, Peter says it this way, chapter 2, verse 5, you also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. Say, I'm a priest. Go ahead, put that in the chat. Say, I'm a priest. Every believer is a priest. Every single one. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're a priest. So once again, say, I'm a priest. What is the job of the priest? To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So as a priest, it is your job to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Say, as a priest, it is my job to offer up spiritual sacrifices. It's your job. And how often did the priests burn incense? Daily. Say daily. daily. I'll notice what it says here. 
acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. This word by is important because we offer our sacrifices by Jesus Christ, our high priest. We are priests, and through Jesus, we offer our sacrifices to God. Our giving and our prayers and some other things we'll cover today or next Sunday rise up before God, and Jesus offers them to the Heavenly Father. Are you giving Jesus anything to offer? Are you giving Jesus anything to build a memorial before God? I'm not talking about did you give something like five years ago, 10 years ago, but are you daily fulfilling your duty as a priest? Are you as faithful as Cornelius, who wasn't washed in the blood yet, who hadn't been saved yet, who wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost? Are you faithful in your spiritual duties to offer up spiritual sacrifices? Are you giving Jesus anything to work with? Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. And said, so when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. So the twenty-four elders representing the church of the Lord Jesus Christ before the throne. It's presenting the prayers of the saints. See, your prayer is way more powerful than you've ever considered. It goes further than you've ever considered. It changes more things than you've ever considered. And you're supposed to be faithful and offering up prayers before God. See, just like Cornelius, your prayers and your giving rise up before God and causes heaven's response. As you've heard me say throughout this series, that the first time a believer experiences heaven should not be when they get there. The first time a believer experiences heaven should not be when they get there. Believers as citizens of heaven should be so well acquainted with heaven that they can pass out samples here on the earth. Come on, before this time we're living in, some of you would go to grocery stores at specific times because you knew they were passing out samples. You're like, this is a quick snack, quick free lunch, let's go. But the thing was, if the sample was good enough, you buy the product. You may not even plan to spend any money, but if the sample was good enough, you coming home with that product. See, people don't know your Jesus. They think they don't want to know your Jesus. But if you pass out a sample good enough, they will want to know your Jesus. And the only way we can pass out samples is we have to be well acquainted with heaven. And the only way we'll be well acquainted with heaven is if we're offering up our spiritual sacrifices and heaven responds. The only way we'll be well acquainted with the outpouring of heaven if we consistently offer up the spiritual sacrifices and we receive the response of heaven. And then we have a response of heaven to share among those around us. So are you giving Jesus anything to offer consistently, faithfully? See, we're familiar with Malachi chapter 3. Let's look at there. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. See, we're not called to offer up animals 
Some of you are like, oh, thank God. Some of you are like, oh, no, I would like to try that. No, don't try it. It's Time's passed. Old covenant. There's a new covenant. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. It says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat or provision in my house, and prove me now, put me to the test as the Lord of hosts, the God of angel armies. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there should not be room enough to receive it. The windows of heaven opened. Another in the Hebrew says empty. And what comes out? The blessing. So don't just make it agricultural scripture. Oh, he's talking about rain. No, he said the blessing. What is the blessing? The empowerment to prosper. What does the blessing fall on? The work of your hands. It also falls on your property and what you own and what you possess. And notice what calls the blessing to fall. The offering of the tithe. Now, when you look at the scripture, tithe is before the law. It's during the law. And it's after the law. It is a spiritual sacrifice believers are still supposed to offer. But notice it has a response. It continues to go and says, And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, says the Lord of hosts, the God of angel armies. And all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, says the Lord of hosts. Why do they call them blessed? Because the blessing has been poured out on them. They offered up the sacrifice. The blessing was poured out. And people are now identifying them by the blessing. So don't think it's strange when people identify you by the blessing on your life. Don't even be embarrassed by what God's blessed you with. Stop being shamed just because God prospered you. And when people tell you, oh, you know, I'm not doing well right now. And you're actually doing really well. Don't say, oh, me either. Don't lie. What's going on? Well, God's been good. Oh, I can't tell him that. Why not? You're either going to share in their gloom or you're going to offer them hope. And in times like these, people need hope. They need to hear your testimony. Now, I'm not saying you have to post your testimony every day on Facebook and go knock on someone's door and tell them no. Be led by the Spirit of God when he tells you to share. And when you share with someone, especially non-believers, or someone you don't know their scriptural understanding, don't use the deep terms that no one else understands unless they studied out the Word. No, it's not the time to talk about the circumcision of the heart. You will scare them away. You can make it really simple. Jesus changed my heart. We can leave them to the scriptures and teach them that later what that phrase means, but don't, that is not the time to be deep. That is the time to have an elevator type of testimony. What's elevator testimony? Have anyone's been to business school at the top have an elevator pitch? That you have to be described what your business is going to do in less than 30 seconds? You should be able to tell what God has done for you in less than a minute. So if they're going by, that you can tell, hey, this is what Jesus did for me, and if you follow him, he'll do the same for you. Why? Do you know how fast people move in these days? They may not have five minutes for you. They may give you 30 seconds, and they may go like, Psh, whatever. But you did your part. You sold, or you watered. 
And God has a way of bringing words back to people. They're trying to go to sleep, and they hear what you said. You may never see them again, but they've heard your voice their whole life. And you get to heaven and say, oh, I'm so grateful that you talked to me. Say, like, when did I talk to you? Well, you remember 30 years ago, I blew you off, but it just kept echoing and echoing and echoing. I finally got saved. I heard uh, Brother Copeland tell this testimony about how he got saved, how he grew up in the church, and then he ran as far away from it as he could get. But when he lived in his house, his mom said, you can go to church as long as you live in my house. And so every Sunday he went to Sunday school, and he said there was this old lady who called herself, I think, old lady, whatever her last name was. And every time she would end the Sunday school for boys, she would say, you should accept Jesus into your heart. And she would lead the prayer and tell him how to do it. And so he's, you know, his own words says, I thought that was, you know, stupid then. But now I'm in this point in my life where I need something. And he said, I heard her voice again. I heard what she had said to us again and again all those years, and I accepted Jesus into my heart. It was the faithfulness of a Sunday school teacher that reached him 20-some-odd years later. So you have to be faithful to say what God tells you to say and let the chips fall where they may. If God tells you to talk to that person, talk to him. No more or less than what God said. Because some people, we get really excited that God is using us. We get just so pumped. Oh, man, God is using me. I can tell that word has impacted them. And then you add a whole bunch of stuff that God didn't tell you to say. Just say whatever he tells you to say. And leave it there. And they're looking at you for more. You just, what do you do? Check in, Lord, anything else? And he always ready to lead someone to Jesus. Well, pastor, I'm not, you don't got to be me to lead someone to Jesus. All you have to do is say, hey, you want to accept Jesus in your heart? Pray with me. It's that simple prayer. Say, Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day you raise him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to live this Christian life. Simple as that. All of you can lead someone in that variation of that prayer. Don't go like, oh, I missed a word. I messed up. No. The Holy Spirit will lead you and give you the words to say. And you can bring people in. Because there are some people who will listen to you who will never give me the time of day. But because you're in their life, they'll hear what you have to say. And that is your mission field, to bring people in. That's how you pass out samples. The fact that you're stable in unstable time is a testimony. Your stability. See, the world needs stable people. And the fact that just because everything is tough, you don't quit, it's a testimony. The fact that you're at peace is a testimony. The fact that you have hope is a testimony. And people need to see that in your life. You say, oh, I'm not trying to get close to people. I don't say you to get close to nobody. You can talk to someone six feet away. Come on, you can adopt home improvement and talk to people through the fence. You can be Wilson and cover up the lower part of your face behind the fence and testify to them. So don't come up ex with excuses why you can't tell someone about Jesus or why you can't invite them to church. It's like, oh, they say, I'm not going into a building right now. Well, great, you can come online. Let's stop coming up with excuses and let's manifest heaven.
Where was I? Somewhere around here. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4. Talking about offering up spiritual sacrifices that bring heaven's response. So we're so well acquainted with heaven and we can pass out samples. Because what heaven pours out should be so strong in your life, it changes the atmospheres you walk into. We'll talk a little bit about this later, but one of the things you have as a citizen of heaven is authority. Things shouldn't just pop off because you're there. I remember a time years ago, I was in downtown Austin and we were leaving the area. It's an area that, you know, after a certain point, they really turn up. And so knowing that, I'm all my way out. But as I'm on my way out, there's a commotion that breaks up, that starts across the street. They're fighting, and you know, if people get to fighting, they could be carrying something. And I'm not that far away, and I need no ricochet. Let the church say amen. So I'm across the street, and I said, calm down. They don't hear me, but those spirits do. And it calmed down like nothing happened. And then I turn around the corner, and they start fighting again. Why? I'm no longer there. But because I'm there, my authority reigns. Now notice, I had the authority to calm it down momentarily, not to disrupt what was going on. Well, why didn't I have the authority to disrupt what's going on? God did not tell me to. I remember we were in New York this summer. And so, you know, I was walking by, and you know, anytime you're in a big city, you run into lots of people, lots of different types of people, lots of varieties of people. And sometimes you'll run into people who may have drug issues, or may have mental challenges, or just be straight up possessed, or all the above. And so we're walking down, it's actually my birthday, so I'm like turn up more celebrate mode, we're heading somewhere, and there's a person, you can already tell there's something going on. You don't know what it is, but there's something going on. And so we're walking by, and he looks at me. I have not said anything to him. And he begins to talk about Jesus. And talk about, he began to list topics of things I've preached to you for the last year or so. Not saying that's what I did, but he started recounting these topics. And I'm like, I know exactly what this is. And so I'm walking, about 10, 15 seconds later, he begins to cuss and let out words, and he's just going off. He's not quiet either. He is loud. The whole block can hear. And he's kind of following us for a little bit. Now, I know if he gets closer, there's some ministry I'll have for him. Bless the Lord. And so we stepped on the inside, as well as another crowd of people did, to let him pass by. And I remember he started kind of looking in, and I stood at the door, and I wasn't quiet either, my wife said. I said, spirit, keep on moving. And he kept on moving. Well, why didn't you cast it out? I didn't have the authority to do so. Why? The Lord didn't tell me. And I knew at that moment that it would be crossing the line to try to deliver him because I didn't have instruction from the Lord. I would have that authority to do so if he crossed the line. Now, I may come with in the name and a knockout, but we'll handle it. But I told my wife after that, I said, I didn't have the authority to cast that out. And so I'm saying this, that when you go places, you have delegated authority. 
This is not the time to be demon hunter. This is the time to listen to the instructions of your heavenly father and do what he tells you to do and say what he tells you to say. You're not going places to prove something to people, oh, heaven's going to pour out my life, so I'm going to go to the worst spot in land. You only go there if he told you to go there. Now, we have a number of officers in this church. You got to go there. That is your assignment. But the rest of you, don't do that. You follow the Spirit of God. What am I doing? Paul's in here to provide balance. Because some people will get into a ditch on one side of the road or the other. They'll either be demon hunters or afraid of demons. And you're supposed to be neither. What are you supposed to do? Live as a citizen of heaven. We'll talk about more about authority as we get further in this series. Now, Philippians chapter 4, verse 14. It says, notwithstanding, you have well done. Well, pause it here. Yes, I have cast out demons before. Let me tell you some of those stories to give you the other side of it. You know one of the first times I cast out a devil? It was at youth camp. You're like, what? So it was a, a, a service where the glory of God had filled the room. It was about 400-something teenagers. And I've heard from some of those teenagers now, and they talk about how God moved on their life that day, and that's why they're serving in ministry to this day. I just heard a testimony from one of them in June. And so God moved in such a way I could see the cloud, but then I heard out from hundreds of teenagers they could see it too. There were teenagers in that room, they could see Jesus, and Jesus was standing right there on there. They were having experiences. Others were seeing angels. There was the glory of God manifesting on a high level. And at this point, we're praying for people. And at this point, I'm not even touching anyone anymore. I'm just pointing, and the glory of God has fallen on people all around the room. People are falling out under the power of God by hundreds. And so they bring this one person to me, and she said, get this devil out of me. So I said, come out. And she shrieked. And she leapt in the air at me and double punched me in the chest. And my reaction, I guess I had a flashback, so well, let's go. But by this point, she had collapsed on the floor and was delivered. And then I looked at the usher and said, don't let them punch the man of God. What are you doing? You know, on the other side, Dathan has seen it when we're, you know, in Africa. They're ready. You ain't coming out. They're going to hold you back, and you're going to get delivered. And we saw different people, like, God would move in such a way that there'd be people who were delivered. We didn't say nothing. The glory of God just came in, and people shrieked and were delivered. Other times, they came forward, and I either cast it out or the old church mamas did. They come up, I got this one. Come out, come out, come out. Lay him on the floor. All right. So there is authority. And you don't have to be afraid of demons. But your authority is delegated. And you have to be where God wants you to be for your authority to have maximum impact. The scripture says, submit yourselves to God. Then it says, resist the devil. If your resistance isn't effective, I don't question your resistance, I question your submission. Because some of you are resisting some things in your life right now and it's not changing and it's not moving and it's not because you haven't resisted long enough, it just may be you haven't submitted to God in that area yet. So it goes the whole word, where do I submit? What has God been dealing with you lately? What has he been telling you to do lately that you haven't been doing? Do that and watch how your resistance works. Nowhere what I was planning to cover today. Philippians 4, 14. Notwithstanding, you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. 
You partnered with me in my pressure-filled circumstance. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again into my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Notice this. The church at Philippi gave to Paul in his ministry just to help Paul out, just to be a blessing, just to support him. They didn't realize that as they gave to Paul, their giving rose up before God. They didn't know it. They didn't even know that was available. But as they gave and gave and gave, it rose up before God. It was an acceptable sacrifice well-pleasing to God. And what happens when a sacrifice rises that's well-pleasing to God, there's a response from heaven. And what was the response? Paul said, my God. Implying the same way my God meets my needs, he's about to show up in your situation. Shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, the abundance of the glory in Christ Jesus, the Holy Spirit, his wisdom, his power, and his ability is going to be poured out and handle whatever that need is. And what was the risk? Why did that come? Because they were given. They didn't even know they needed the abundance of the glory. But as they were faithful to do what they did know, heaven sent a response. You might say, there's a lot I need to learn. Yeah. But if you're faithful to do what you do know, heaven will send a response. Say, if I'm faithful to do what I do know, heaven will send a response. So you know what you need to do in the meantime? Keep learning. We never arrive. We're always learning. If you get to a place where I know everything now, you've just entered into deception because you have reached a level where you don't know much of anything. We're always learning. We're always growing. We hunger for the Word. We hunger after righteousness, and we're filled, and we become hungry again, and we'll receive more. It is the pursuing. It is the daily pursuit. It is going after these things. He said, I'll pour out on the thirsty. So that's why Jesus stood up in the temple and said, if anybody's thirsty, come talk to me in the parking lot. Because for those who are thirsty, I'll pour out. And from your spirit will flow rivers of living water. But I'm only talking to the thirsty. Those of you who are well drenched on your religious tradition and all the things you can do in your flesh, stay inside. But if you want something, come to me. There's a lot of people who are well drenched in the tradition. Well, drenched is like, I came to church, I crossed, you know, check. I'll be back in six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, Christmas. Let me take a selfie and post, see, I went to church today. Um, check. And if that's all you're after, that's all you receive. And whatever likes your social media post gets. But if you want more, 
if you're hungry for more, if you're thirsty for more, if you pursue after him, if you daily offer up sacrifices to heaven, you will have heaven's response in such a way you can pass out samples. It's not the time to draw back. It's the time to press in. It's not the time to be satisfied. It's the time to get hungry all over again. It's not the time to say, I've had enough. It's the time to get thirsty all over again because God has more. Say, God has more incoming. Get ready for the more. A couple weeks ago, I was ministering on these lines, and I sensed the presence of God getting stronger on this platform. And so what I usually do when I sense that, I'm praying, Lord, more. I want more. I want more. See, I learned that from my time in Argentina. I was down there with them for two weeks on different occasions, and whenever the presence of God would begin to move, they would cry out, mas, mas, more, more. They had been revival for decades, but they still wanted more. And so I've adopted that habit. I'm praying to God, I want more. I, got more. I want more. And then he said, son, the more is coming. Do the work. The more will come. So I'm focused on doing the work because he said the more is going to come. And that more includes so many wonderful things. I know it's not the time to stop. It's not the time to quit. The more is coming. I'm here to declare to you your best days are about to be in the midst of a pandemic. Your best days are about to be in the midst of turmoil. Your best days are about to be in the midst of the world losing its mind. And you'll say, I've entered into the best days of my life. This is not the time to back down. This is not the time to quit. This is not the time to draw back. This is the time to press, press toward the mark of the high calling of the anointed one, Jesus and his anointing. Say, I must press. Luke chapter 18, Luke chapter 18. Luke 18 verse 1. And Jesus spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not faint. What's the whole purpose of this parable? That people keep on praying and don't quit praying. Saying, there was in a city a judge, which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city. And she came unto him saying, avenge me of my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, she's getting on my nerves. I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she wears me out. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. Notice the judge is unjust. The judge in this parable is not God. The key of this parable is not God being an unjust judge that you have to show up again and again and again and wear him out. And if you wear God out, if you bombard the gates of heaven, heaven will respond. That is not what it's telling you to do. You're not trying to convince God your case is worthy. You're not supposed to bombard the gates of heaven. That's not what it's telling you to do. It's telling you to be persistent in prayer. Be persistent, just like this woman was persistent in coming before the judge. The whole purpose is to pray always and don't faint. Notice what it said next. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth. 
This lets you know that as we get closer and closer to the return of Jesus, there'll be pressure from the enemy to make you depart faith and make you depart being persistent in prayer. You're persistent in prayer because of your faith. So there'll be great pressure from the enemy to turn prayer to your hashtag. Thoughts and prayers. Oh, that's horrible. Thoughts and prayers. And you ain't thinking about it nor praying about it. Oh, that was bad. Thoughts and prayers. Hashtag thoughts and prayers. Or maybe a little bit more Christian version of it. Oh, I'm going through. Will you pray for me? I'll pray for you. You forget about them three minutes later. You wanted to pray for them. Well, if you want to pray for them, pray for them. Write then or write it down on something that you won't lose. And pray for them during your time of prayer. Don't just say, I'll pray for you and don't do it. Don't just say hashtag praying or hashtag thoughts and prayers. Do it. Don't give in to the pressure of the enemy to make you prayerless. To make you give in to pressure and make you depart faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So be a great pressure to move people from the word, move them from faith, and move them per persistent praying because if a person's in the word, acting in faith, and persisting in prayer, heaven will pour out and defeat the plan of the enemy. We already sang it earlier, we will never fail. You didn't let those words get in your spirit. That if we're doing what God told us to do, we ain't gonna fail. Failure is not an option. Well, pastor, I lost the battle. We'll win the war. Well, pastor, I messed up. Keep on going. Pastor, I sinned. Repent and keep going. We are not those who draw back unto perdition, the scripture says. We're those who press on to the saving of the soul. We walk by faith, not by sight. The just live by faith. It is not a moment. It's not a movement. It's a lifestyle. And we are to daily offer up sacrifices that please God. It is our job as priests. Let's look at Hebrews 13 as I bring this to a close. Hebrews 13. Look at verse 15. By him we Therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. How often? Continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. With such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Here's some more of the spiritual sacrifices. Praise what is the praise to find here is consistently thanking God instead of whining and complaining and worrying all the time. Praise. I saw a man of God post this. I found it in my notes. He said it. Uh, Pastor Furtick, he said, stop closing your eyes and worrying and calling it prayer. Stop closing your eyes and worrying and calling it prayer. So I pray, no, you worried. That wasn't prayer. That was a whole bunch of worry. As James says, ask in faith, nothing wavering, nothing doubting. That word waver means to have an internal battle going back and forth. Will God actually be true? Will God actually be faithful? 
This is a personal wave. It's like a wind of the sea tossed by the waves, going back and forth, back and forth. And a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let's me know a single-minded man is stable in all his ways. If I want to be stable in unstable times, I have to focus on what God said, believe what he said, settle the internal battle, and say, God will be faithful. And in the meantime, I offer up sacrifices of praise, giving him thanksgiving. And then it's and do good, good works, and communicate. That's partnering in ministry. That's giving. All of those sacrifices are well-pleasing to God, and all of those sacrifices bring a response from heaven, which are able you to pass out samples of heaven on earth. Let's close at Acts chapter 10, verse 44. This is helping anyone here today. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. And so remember, we said Cornelius was faithful in what he knew to do, in prayer, in giving. He received instruction from the Lord from an angel, called for Peter. Peter obeyed the Holy Ghost, and he showed up. And Peter begins to preach. He doesn't even get to preach that long. He hasn't even finished his introduction yet. He has not even given the title of his message. He just begins to talk, like, you know, I realized something. And he says, yeah, so this is what I realized. And, you know, you've all heard about how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. And as he gets on, just less than a minute later, verse 44, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Why is that them important? Who is the them? When Cornelius knew that God said, sent for Peter, and he'll tell you what to do, Cornelius got his whole family together. He got all his friends together. He got all his crew together, all those who work for him. They are all gathered in the house. And Cornelius said, we are here in expectation to hear what God would say through you. And Peter just begins to share, and the Holy Ghost interrupts Peter's message, saying, Peter, that's a great message, but I got something else I got to do right now. And the Holy Ghost falls on every single person in that room. Every single person gets saved. Every single person gets filled with the Holy Ghost, with the Bible evidence of speaking other tongues. Cornelius didn't even know it was available, but because he had been faithful, because he has opened in faith and expectation, and he had been consistently sending up sacrifices, heaven responded with what he needed and more than he knew he needed, more than he knew what he desired, and it didn't just sweep him up. It swept up his entire family and all his his friends. That's an outpouring from heaven. That's an incoming from heaven. That you're faithful to do what God told you to do, and it sweeps up your family. Even that hard-headed uncle that nobody can get to. Even that wild auntie who just wilds out and she's 80. No one's been able to reach them. But because you've been faithful, because you've continually sent up sacrifices, the incoming sweeps them all in. Your friends too. That friend you've been witnessing to again and again and again and again and again. And you're like, I'm almost tired. And they call you the next day, hey, you know what? I got saved. I just happened to be scrolling this social media and I saw this message and I believed. Swept up. Why were they swept up? Because of faithfulness. You need to be faithful in what you know to do. Faithful to daily offer up sacrifices to God. 
to pray always and not faint, to be generous and obey God concerning your finances, to do good, to offer up praise to God. And as you do, there's a memorial created before God. And it sends you help, sends you rewards, it sends you what you need, it sends you what you want, it sends you what you don't even know you need. It sends you what you even know you want. It sweeps it all up. So I'm here to tell you, be faithful. Because the faithful shall flourish. And there's always response to consistent, faithful sacrifices of faith. This is not the time to quit. This is not the time to give up. It's the time to stand strong. So stand to your feet. Oh, hallelujah to Jesus. Oh, hallelujah to Jesus. Oh, hallelujah to Jesus. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Go ahead. I know it's a little bit longer. Lift your hands and pray in the spirit if you're filled with the Holy Ghost. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, lift your hands to heaven. And may your prayers arise as incense and the lifting of your hands as the evening sacrifice. Pray in the Spirit. You're watching online, pray in the Spirit. If you're at a place where you can lift your hands online, lift your hands unto God. Let your prayers and your surrender rise before God. Let it rise unto him. Let it rise to him. Let it rise to him. Let it rise to him right now. Those of you watching out there, it says, but I've done too many bad things. No, there's mercy for you. So let your prayers and your worship rise to him. Stop thinking about what you've done. And let your praise, your prayers and your worship rise to him right now.